Lexbor, the podcast from the Abington Community Library. Lexbor means those who are voracious in reading, those who devour words. You might be familiar with the terms lexicon or lexical. Lex has to do with words, and vor, like in herbivore or carnivore, means an eater of. So if you have a hunger for books, information, and literature, you pulled up a chair to the right metaphorical dinner table. Let's dig in. In 2022, our theme this year is By Me, For Me, exploring representation and resources. Our next 12 episodes will feature conversations with community organizations and passionate individuals, resources for you to learn and get involved, and of course, our favorite books that give us glimpses into topics that are sometimes overlooked by society. Thank you for listening to Lexivore. everyone, and welcome to the new and improved Lexivore podcast brought to you by the staff at the Abington Community Library. I'm Mary. And I'm Melanie. And we are delighted to bring you another year of the podcast. Expect a new episode every month, as well as a variety of guests stopping by this year. Today, we are diving into our first book discussion of the year about Somebody's Daughter, a memoir by Ashley C. Ford, released in 2021. This was Melanie's choice to feature, so I'm going to pass it over to her so she can tell me more about the book and how it encompasses representation. What should we expect from this book, Mel? Thanks, Mary. I've been really looking forward to getting to talk about this book. As you're getting to know more about me, you know I love a good memoir, and let me tell you, this was no exception. I have accidentally already read it twice (laughs) since I first picked it up in November, And I was flipping through it to kind of prepare for this episode and see what kind of parts I wanted to talk about. And I just found myself reading it cover to cover again. We're going to mention and touch on some heavy topics in this episode regarding assault, trauma, and abuse. So if you're not in the headspace to listen, you might want to skip this episode and catch up with us next month. Melanie, before you start telling us about this specific book, why don't you share with me and our listeners what you've been reading? So I am reading two nonfiction books at the moment. So right now I am reading Three Mothers by Anna Malika Tubbs. I just started it like a couple days ago, so I'm not very far into it, but it is nonfiction and it's kind of diving into the impact and the histories of three prominent men's mothers. Um, So we do have it in our collection here for circulation, but I am reading it on Libby. I like to read that at home a lot. And then like I bring my other book that I'm reading around with me when I come to work and things like that. So I'm reading that on Libby. Who are the three moms? So the three mothers are the mothers of Martin Luther King Jr., of Malcolm X, and of James Baldwin. And I'm a big James Baldwin fan too, so that is kind of what piqued my interest initially. And I'm obviously very interested in like women's stories and women's history. That's something that like I try to read about a lot and I always kind of tend to go back to over and over again. So, you know, this caught my interest and it's kind of just like showing the impact that they specifically had on their son's lives that, you know, influenced the men that they became and like all that they were able to accomplish in the civil rights movement and so on. So yeah, I think that that's going to be a really interesting read. I'm looking forward to getting deeper into it. The other book is more of a casual nonfiction, but it's called Crush. And oh. I thought this was like kind of a fun, flirty book to read around Valentine's <laughs> Day. Um, but that is edited by uh, Kathy Alter and Dave Singleton. But it's all celebrities writing short essays about like their first celebrity crush. Oh my God, I want to read so, that. Yeah, and oh, um, God. <laughs> it's, it's available in the system. I borrowed it. But 
it's it's really good so far and like some of them are a little bit more like insightful and then some of them are just like really funny and relatable you're like oh yeah I have, I have a crush on them I have a crush on that person you know so it's kind of like showing you like oh when I was eight years old I first saw this movie and I realized like oh my god women are beautiful or whatever you know yeah. so so they're all really funny stories and some of them are short and sweet and some of them are a little longer so oh that's so, so yeah cool. that is what I'm enjoying right now what about you what are you reading well, that you read in the last month before we get to me who is your celebrity crush? Oh, I mean, I think my all-time forever, <laughs> my all-time forever celebrity crush is George Harrison. I lo- I love him so much, but oh my god, I love it. you're so cool. Yeah. Oh. Like- <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Mary. Yeah, if if anyone's ever in the library and they uh, want to find out what desk is mine, it's got pictures of George Harrison taped to the desktop around the screen. So so yeah, if you're looking for a George Harrison fan girl, you could find one right here at Abington. Love it. <laughs> you're such an old oh, soul. Thank you. <laughs> well, wh- well, now that you've made me reveal mine, I have to ask you who yours is. Oh my Current God. or, or I, from the I past. have so many. Um, <laughs> but I guess we would go with Sebastian Stan, who plays the Winter oh. Soldier in the Marvel movies. Basically, any Marvel guy is kind of yeah. my celebrity crush. And he went to Rutgers, which is where I went. Oh, so that is like, very cool. Whoa. Like you might run into him I'm in an like, alumni did, event. Did we ever pass each other like on the crowded streets of New Brunswick? Probably. <laughs> if not, something to look forward to. You'll be there for your reunion, and who knows? Right? You never know. <laughs> He's dating a model, but that's neither here nor there. Fine. <laughs> So, as our resident uh, young adult person, I've been reading uh, You've Reached Sam by Dustin Thayo, and I'm about three quarters of the way through, and this is a super heartfelt romance story, but what makes it unique is that the romance is over because one of them has died um, in an unexpected accident. Which obviously changes the whole course of the main character's life as she tries to move on from Sam dying. And what happens is she decides to just call his cell phone to hear his voicemail one more time. And he ends up picking up the phone. And they end up talking. It's sort of, Sam is trying to help her move on with her life. And it's sort of like, well, you know, if there's anything you want to say that you yeah. didn't get to say, you kind of need to now. So it's oh it's it's very sweet it's very heartfelt the cover is amazing so oh. that is wonderful it and sounds I, like a like a young adult PS I love you yes that sounds very nice yeah yeah and it's just it's very well well written and it's got a nice representation of like um, Asian American characters oh. and and even looking at their funeral rituals and that sort of thing I thought was done in a very like respectful way and also very like enlightening to see kind of what's different from community to community. And the other one that I just got on the whole shelf is Empires and Echoes by Michelle Rowan. And this is a new fantasy in a new duology that's being written. And it highlights basically some different mystical illegal magic it's a bit of a high fantasy story I'm just really super excited to read it I like duologies because trilogies the middle tends to kind of drag a bit yeah, I find it so, droops in the center a little bit yeah so duologies are like that perfect amount of yeah. time spent with characters super excited a lot of political intrigue a lot of high fantasy that sounds really interesting and like a nice variety of stuff that you're reading like you just read something that was a little more, more like heartfelt and now you're going to go into something that's like fantasy that's that's nice to kind of mix it up and keep your attention going I like that too.
So I am going to get into our the bulk of our episode today. In a nutshell, I am just going to kind of tell you about the themes that are covered in the memoir and some of like the more specific details that I thought were really standouts. And I mean, just a lot of the complexities in it can't be described in a short podcast episode. So I'm, I hope that you'll be interested enough to go get the book or borrow it from the library and read it yourself. So for listeners who aren't familiar with the themes that are tackled in the book, um, Ashley details her experiences from being a very young child until adulthood from the perspective of an anxious and poverty-stricken black girl growing up in Indiana with her adoring father incarcerated and a tense, to say the least, relationship with her mother. So the parent that she has available to her is not a parental relationship that she feels fulfilled from and she doesn't feel supported by her mother very often in the book. And she has like a way of kind of subtly challenging you to grow during your reading of the entire book. She um, really like you follow her through all these challenges in her life and she really kind of gracefully and insightfully explains them to us from the perspective of obviously a grown woman but you like pick up on like she really was picking up on these things as a child this is not all just like a reflection story she's telling you what it felt like to be in her shoes as an eight-year-old as a 12-year-old as a 14-year-old and you really feel like you're along like her whole kind of ride with her and the overall impact of the story I found really like lived in the gray areas of what people generally want to consider unforgivable or excusable behavior. So like all her characters, well, they're not characters, they're people, people. in her life. All, <laughs> all the people in her life kind of in general, like society or, you know, people's own like moral codes would want to kind of push them into like, oh, well, her father's a criminal or this, her mother, you know, isn't supportive or her mother is abusive or these things. And she's really showing you, like, no, no one fits in one box ever. People are complex, and every experience that they have changes the way they interact with others, changes their future. You know, it's all impacted at all. And then they all impact each other. And you can't really, like, judge someone for making a decision if you're not in that situation either. Because you can't say, like, oh, no, I would never have done this. Or, yes, I would have done this. Like... And if you don't have the same background they do, yeah, you know, like your experiences are totally different. So it, it's unfair to judge people um, in such a black and white Absolutely. way. Yeah, and she really challenges you to, to, to look past those assumptions about people. So we see example after example of her mother's emotional and physical abuse of her and her siblings, their relationship even from the author's adolescence, is really tense and she is in like a seemingly constant state of suspicion that her mother will take out life's frustrations on her at any moment without any reason. You know, that's that's just like a constant fear in the back of her mind all the time from what she writes. And like now this is, of course, a very well-versed and skilled adult writing about their perspective as a child. But like I said, just like these recurring examples of her when she's very young, trying to understand the why behind her mother's actions is very complex. And she will recount like a certain scenario where her mother hurt her, or, you know, she did something bad at school and was terrified to go home at the end of the day, because she knew her mom was going to find out. But you can you can you can feel that with her as she's explaining to you what 
exactly what she felt like as a child. You don't feel like you're hearing it from a woman in her 20s. You feel like you're hearing it from a child, which is, I thought, I mean, it, it made it so easily digestible and it made you like absorb it so much more, like really feel like you were living parts of her life and that, you know, made it so relatable for a lot of people too. And I think it takes like a, a lot of insight and skill to be able to write from such a different age viewpoint um, to where you are currently, because in a way you almost have to forget what you know. And just to really be able to like go back to that point is, is difficult. Yeah, definitely. And it, she did it in a way that felt totally seamless because she isn't writing totally, I mean, it's chronological, but she, she is putting in bits of her life now as she goes through. And it was really seamless to switch back and forth between those perspectives that didn't feel like clunky or hard to follow at all. And even like when Ashley kind of considers her mother standing in the world as a struggling black woman with an incarcerated partner who she expected would be there to help her care for her children. Uh, she was now the sole monetary provider and caregiver for her kids. And Ashley, as an adult, can look at, can relate to her mother at that point in time, now that she's an adult, mm -hmm. and say, oh, I now have a more holistic understanding of my mother's experiences and challenges. And while how she treated me and my siblings wasn't desirable, it wasn't right, it wasn't good, but she can understand it in like a more thorough way. Yeah. And I thought that was really impactful. And it actually made me think a lot about uh, the photographer Carrie Mae Weems and her series of photographs called the Kitchen Table Series. Uh, you can find this all over online. It's a really fantastic series of photos, but it shows Carrie Mae Weems as the, the main character in these photos. And they're all set up from the same point of view, looking at kitchen table, black and white photographs. And each photo in the series kind of shows a different complexity of this one woman's relationships from a central location. So you're looking at a table and you're seeing her sit at the table with her assumed partner. You're seeing her sit at the table with her child. You're seeing her sit at the table with, you know, other women her age, maybe sisters, maybe friends, and the ups and downs that she has. And you could see the the push and pull of these relationships just through their body language in those photos. And Ashley also did a talk that I attended virtually um, at the Cambridge Library. And I actually got to ask her about Carrie Mae Weems because I thought some of the comparisons were so strong. <laughs> and she said that she was a huge Carrie Mae Weems fan. And I was so surprised that there was actually kind of like a, a connection. subtle connection there that she was like, oh, no, like I actually love those photographs and I love Carrie Mae Weems. I think she's, you know, amazing. And of course, like, you know, the crossover isn't totally surprising, but because they're dealing with some of the same themes and topics. But um, I thought that that was a really fun kind of tidbit that that these photographs came to mind a lot when I was reading. And then, you know, it was thing that she she had thought about in her life. So I thought that, that was really cool. And definitely look up the photographs if you guys are interested in that. And if you read the book, maybe you'll catch on to it too. So back to kind of the conflicts at hand in the book. So she has all these realizations, obviously, as an adult. And the reflections that she's having are not exclusive to her mother. Of course, her mother is a, a main character in the book, a main character in her life. How could she not be? But we also learn more through these little vignettes about her siblings her grandmother, who was clearly a very important maternal figure in her life, and she lived with her for a time, 
and of course her father, who was serving time for the majority of her young life. So we start out the memoir with the understanding that he's going to be released. So oh, okay. then we kind of go through all this, and the conclusion of the book is is he's that released? coming to, to oh, okay. you know coming to fruition. But Ashley and us as the reader do not learn why her father is incarcerated until quite a bit into the book. It is in haste and in anger kind of revealed to Ashley that her father was convicted of sexual assault. Ashley gained this knowledge shortly after she was raped at age 13 and had been sexually assaulted as a child by a family friend as well. I'm not really going to linger on the obvious emotional impact that this understandably caused the author, but rather her handling of it and all the varied relationships we see in the book. She says that she has no intention in lying to her readers to make her story more digestible or neatly organized. Funnily enough, that approach makes this memoir read like a kind of like a long talk on the couch with your best friend about life and about what's happened up to this point and all like your conflicts that you've had and stresses and things like that. It's overall, I would say like a wildly unapologetic, authentic telling from a very charismatic writer that makes the reader develop like a sense of compassion and understanding for the people in Ashley's life, especially especially with her father, because throughout the book, even after she realizes why he is in prison, she has a tenderness for him because he is sweet to her. He writes letters to her regardless of if she ever writes back and she can't visit very often. She only visits, I think, twice in the entire book. Once oh, wow. when she's young and a relative brings her and her siblings and once when she's, you know, older and she has a close friend bring her. You know, they c- kind of make the drive together and that's like an, an emotional upheaval in, in that chapter, which was, you know, left, leaves a big impression on you. But, you know, she'll give you excerpts about things her dad has written her in letters and how he's so proud of her. And she receives a kind of support from her dad that she doesn't get from the parent she has in person, from her mother. His treatment of her doesn't go away because she finds out what he did. He's still the man who, you know, tells her that she's special and important. His actions didn't, it doesn't negate the positive things that he does Does for her as a parent. She, you know, makes, I think, an extremely important point in the book to say that even though she can forgive her father, she is not saying her father is forgiven. You know, she can personally forgive her father for ending up in prison throughout her childhood and, you know, in a way, in her words, abandoning her, you know, and her siblings and leaving her with her mother and things like that. She can personally forgive him for those things, but she cannot uh, absolve him from his actions. So I think that that's a really important thing to say, of course, too. And I thought an important thing for her to write in the book and not just her to feel that, but for her to communicate that with the reader and say, you know, I'm not saying that that my father never did anything wrong. Yeah. I'm saying that I can get past what my father did wrong because I need him and I love him and he is a parent to me. And I think it takes, um, like, a lot of strength to be able to admit that too and not be concerned if people judge you for that opinion. Because um, I I do feel like that is something she would run into, would be like, well, what do you mean you can forgive him? Like, he did this horrible crime. But again, he is still her father and he has still shown her support in a way that the parent who was physically present and available did not. So I think that's like really, really brave. And I feel like that also probably has to relieve some like stress. 
like internally, internally yeah. from her. Um, I mean, I do think the title of her book is interesting, that it's somebody's so, yeah. daughter. <laughs> I think so, too. And I think that that was, I don't necessarily want to use the word clever, but it was like a, such a such an intentional title to put on this book. Because what I really think this, I mean, besides, of course, the obvious relationship to our theme this year, is that... She doesn't say this explicitly, but throughout the book, no one is just one thing. I think I said that at the beginning of this episode. No one can be kind of like neatly categorized as a black woman, as an assault survivor, as a writer, as a daughter, or as anything else. So people's complex identities can never be influenced by just one life experience. During that talk that I mentioned Ashley did that I was able to attend, she, like I said, she was saying she doesn't want to lie to her readers. Because if she boiled her life down to being, okay, this is a book about me being a sexual assault survivor, then you are missing out on the complexities of her as a person, on the relationship she had, and on the experiences she's had. So I think that that really is, I mean, you can't get any more broad representation than that. Yeah. Because she's saying, no, I'm not going to tell you one story. I'm going to tell you the whole story. And I thought that that was an amazing way to do it. And you know, really gives us a full picture of this person's life who, I mean, has has been through a lot, good and bad, and I don't want it to seem like the whole memoir is like this major, like heavy, you know, thing to carry with you when you read it. Um, There are a lot of moments of like optimism and excitement and that, and she does have good relationships along the way too. You know, we're not only focusing on the relationship she had that caused her struggles. It was really fantastic, and I loved it. I'm sure I'll read it again. I already read it twice. I mean, I've already gotten over the hump of reading it once, so I'm sure that there will be more in the future. But yeah, I mean, I am super excited that this is the first book that we got to cover this season, too, just because it dives into so many topics that I think are important. Obviously, we only have so many episodes this year. We can't talk about every single aspect of representation that we want to, so I think that this was super timely that this was just released and that we can talk about something that dives into so many topics and covers so many important things. Yeah, no, I, I think this is a super impactful book. I think it's an important book to read. It's also not very long either. No. I mean, she she manages to get a lot across <laughs> in, in a very small book, I mean, comparatively speaking. Yeah, to like and I thought titles. that it was... Like, it, like an easy read, too. Like, it just flowed beautifully and quickly, and it didn't feel like you were, like, kind of, like, racing to the finish line. I really, like, enjoyed reading it along the way. It wasn't something that you kind of were like, oh, okay, let me, like, let me get a couple more chapters and let me get a couple more chapters and Like, I just looked down and realized I was halfway through it, you know? Yeah. So it is a really smooth read. You don't feel like it's laboring at all. And I and it gives you a lot to think about. I mean, when when you look at like incarceration, you always think about how it just affects the person who's in jail and not really their family members, the people they know, the victim of yeah. whatever got them into jail and that victim's family. I mean, it it truly affects just like such a huge community mm-hmm. and and again like when you look at Ashley's mom and yeah, I bet it, it had to be an immense struggle to lose the partner who you're supposed to have with your family and like not even just the financial loss, but like that emotional mm-hmm. support. Yeah. It, it's very difficult. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And I mean, we could have a, 
a million gigantic conversations about everything covered in this book. I mean, we didn't even talk much specifically about incarceration and uh, incarceration versus rehabilitation and all of those things. So she really opens the door with this accessible, very accessible memoir for people to kind of build up these dialogues and start talking about things that are more important that branch off of the topics in, in her book aren't just talking about them on surface level. So if you're interested in kind of like keeping up with Ashley C. Ford's work and like her latest projects and her funny anecdotes and press she does, um, she is a great follow on Instagram. And she is at, at smash fizzle, F-I-Z-Z-L-E, <laughs> or on Twitter as I smash fizzle. <laughs> Since Somebody's Daughter focuses heavily on the effects and impacts of incarceration, we would like to highlight No Name Book Club as our suggested resource this month. The National Virtual and in Real Life Book Club features two books written by people of color a month. In addition to building a national community with readers across the country, they also send their monthly book picks to incarcerated individuals through their prison program. You can learn more about them on their website at nonamebooks.com, on Twitter at nonamebooks, and Instagram at nonamereads. Mark your calendars, subscribe to the pod, and tie a string around your finger to remember our next episode will be released on March 18th. We are welcoming our first guest of the year, and we could not be more excited for our first 2022 interview. We will be chatting with poet, new novelist, and all-around creative force of nature, Melissa Lozada Oliva. Get ready to hear about her debut novel, Dreaming of You, upcoming projects, and more. We just want to say thank you for listening to the Luxivore podcast. And if you have any questions for us, questions for our guests next month, please don't hesitate to reach out to us at lexivore at albright.org. Thanks for listening. We would love to hear your feedback. If you enjoyed this episode, you can find us on our website, lclshome.org, or on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play by searching Lexivore Podcast. The music for this podcast is free theme number five from podcastthemes.com. Many thanks to Mr. Blasco for allowing its use. 